Welcome to a new series of Live Wire. Now, some of the series of Live Wires are about um, strategy, um, doctrine, um, philosophy of ministry, and some of them are devotional, looking at the heart and our relationship with God. And this series, The Fourth Love, is such a, a Live Wire series. We're going to be looking at a devotional side of our faith and our ministry. So to start with, we're going to introduce uh, the topic of love with uh, a video that you may have seen that I really uh, love. Uh, it's a music video by a band called Gunga. Hope you enjoy it. God is not a man. God is not a white man God is not a man sitting on a cloud God cannot be bought God will not be boxed in God will not be owned by religion But God is love enjoyed that video. 
So during this series, we're going to look at our relationship with God and the fact that God is love, but we are not. Um, we have to grow in our love uh, for God and uh, being in love with God. And for me, that's been a, a kind of four step process. Um, I've gone through different phases in my relationship with God. And through this series, I'm going to explain uh, what I mean by that. So today we're going to look at the first love. And I'm going to start with the day I became a Christian. Um, so I was born into a family that uh, uh, did not really believe in God. A great family, but they were not worshippers of Jesus. And I was born with asthma and eczema. And um, when I was 13 years old, my eczema, my disease on my arms and my legs went septic and became very, very painful. I had to put bandages on my skin. And when I took the bandages off at night, my skin would peel off. It was really painful. And I was at school one day when somebody told me about a tent crusade. Uh, in other words, a few churches got together and decided to do an outreach event for a, pit, for a week uh, on a field locally to where I lived. And the rumors were coming back that people were being healed at this event. And I remember going to this event and probably not the first time I ever heard Jesus, but certainly the first time I'd ever heard his message uh, was at this event. And I remember the main feeling that I felt during this um, service was fear, just a strong sense of the fear of God. And for me, that is uh, the first love, the fear of God. I remember uh, this minister talking about uh, the punishment of sin. And I remember thinking, yeah, I, I deserve that. So when the, the preacher finally gave an appeal, it was kind of funny because he kind of tricked me. He said, you know, if you want to respond to this message, then um, say this prayer, which I said. And then he said, if you want to, uh, if you have responded through a prayer, then put your hand up. So I put my hand up and then he said, if you've got your hand up, please stand up. And I remember thinking, that's the last thing I'm going to do. And I stood up and then he said, if you're stood up, please walk to the back. We'd like to pray with you and explain a little bit more. And I was not going to go, but this kind of quite cute blonde, she kind of went to the back and I just kind of felt God called me at the same time. So I went to the back as well and uh, somebody led me to the Lord. But for me, the first... Um, my first relationship with God was one of the fear of the Lord. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, the first love. So we're going to start with hell. You know, I think that many of us as Christians forget that it's not the devil who punishes us, it's God. Uh, the devil may tempt us and may taunt us, but actually it's God who punishes us. Hell is not a place where the devil, uh, it's not his domain where he torments us. It's a place that God created primarily for the devil to be tormented. It's just that because of sin, many people are going there as well. And I think we forget this side of God, the fear of God. Let me just read to you from 2 Peter. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in the chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, 
If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from the trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. So that passage is about two things. Firstly, that God will rescue people from the coming wrath. But the second part is there is a wrath to come. There is a judgment and a punishment to come. And I think we, we tend to forget that. You know, um, everything has trends. Fashion, clothes have trends that come and go. Uh, music has trends that come and go. And to be honest, so does religion, including Christianity. Um, because I'm older than most of our, our viewers, I will know that there have been trends over my life as a Christian that have come and gone. Uh, when I first became a Christian, I think the fear of God was emphasised, sometimes too much to be honest, and the love of God, um, and the, certainly the grace of God was never emphasised enough. That seems to have changed now, and I think with our emphasis on the grace and love of God, as wonderful as that is, we've lost the fear of God. So when we think about hell, um, I, I believe that most people kind of dumb that down. You know, in the beginning, God created man in the image of God. And then since then, we've tried to recreate God in the image of man. And we've taken, uh, so we've taken the kind of current feelings of tolerance and love and equality and unity, and we've projected them on God. All those things are fine, unless they affect the way that we relate with God and we change who he is. God is a love, but God also brings punishment. So we're gonna look at hell. Now, first of all, let me just give you the biblical uh, words that are used for hell. The Hebrew word Sheol occurs 65 times in the Old Testament. It's translated hell, uh, the grave, death, destruction, and the pit. Hades is the Greek term that's translated hell in the New Testament and it's similar to Sheol you know it's described with gates and locks and bars and things like that. The Greek word Gehenna is translated hell or the fire of hell and expresses the the place of punishment for sinners. It's usually associated with the final judgment and is depicted as being an eternal unquenchable fire. And then there's one more uh, term that's less often heard, and the term is Tartarus. Like Gehenna, Tartarus also designates the place of eternal punishment. Now, because of our society, there are all sorts of different nuances on what people think about hell. Is it eternal? Is it not eternal? Um, what, what is it a physical place? Is it not physical? Uh, Pays is non-denominational, so we have a broad spectrum of people who believe in those things. And what I want to do is simply state what we can all agree with, which I hope is scripture. So uh, in a few moments, we're going to look at some of the scriptures as we think about hell. So let's look at our first workshop. Please look at the following seven verses and pick out a fact that each teaches about hell. Then please explain how and why a God of love can not only allow hell, but create it. So this live wire is not simply about hell. Really, we're looking at loving God, which is strange because we're going to start with the first love, which I believe is the fear of God. 
Now, why, why would I say that's the first love? Well, for two reasons. First of all, Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, okay, it says the beginning of wisdom, not love, but I think there's a reason why fear is at the beginning. In fact, I believe that those who fear the Lord most can equally love the Lord most. I'm gonna explain why there's a connection there later on in this episode. Let's take a look at one more verse. Luke 12 verse five says, fear him who, after the killing of the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Sometimes I worry that we've lost the fear of God and it's affecting our love of him, understanding exactly what he saved us from. You know, I noticed this even in church, so um, without sounding too old, when I first went to church, you used to walk in, and before the service started, we would just sit without really talking to anybody, just in quietness and just meditating on God. It was a place of, um, a place for awe, a place for us gazing at God and humbling ourselves. Then we'd have the service, and then afterwards we'd have lots of fun, cups of tea, enjoyments, and fellowship. Nowadays, fellowship becomes before and after the service. And I just wonder if we have that fear. You know, you now see people taking in, certainly in the States, taking cups of coffee and tea. And there's this slight tinge of entertainment coming in as opposed to a fear of God. For me, what happens even in some of our worship songs, uh, some, so many of the songs now seem to be about us. It's almost as though we gaze at ourselves and just glance at God. And I would encourage you, if you want to um, fall deeper in love with God, to remind yourself of why you need to be afraid of him. Now, before we go further, let's look at what fear really is, because um, I'm not talking about the normal kind of fear. Let, let's open up two different ways of looking at fear. So the first type of fear, phobia, is a panic that grips a person, causing him to run away. I have bambankophobia. I wonder if you can guess what that is. Uh, it's a true phobia, I think. Bambankophobia. I looked it up. Bambankophobia is a fear of cotton wool. Uh, this is a picture. Um, several years ago, when I first moved to the States, I had an office in one of the churches, and some of my colleagues decided that they would fill the place with cotton wool balls. I literally did not go in there for a whole week until they uh, picked them all up and took them out. So that's not the kind of fear that we're talking about with a fear of God, a fear that frightens us and makes us run away, a fear that panics us. In the Bible, when it talks about a fear of God, it uses a different word. Pachad is to revere and be amazed. It's the kind of fear that captivates your attention by being startled. So it's something that startles you, it's awesome, and then it captivates you. That's the kind of fear that the Bible talks about. Let me just quote where that word is used. Proverbs 28 verse 14 says, happy is the man who is always perchad. That word there means fearful or revelant, somebody who holds God in esteem. So a phobia, panics you and makes you run away, but the fear of the Lord captivates you and draws you in. 
With that in mind, let's look at our next workshop. Look at the list of phobias and ask the question, do you think those watching this with you may have any of them and how can you see that phobia in them? Now, some of these phobias, in fact, to be honest, most of them are quite humorous and strange, but maybe you might notice some of these phobias in those you're watching this live wire with. Once you've done that, please do this. Then please describe in your own words what a correct fear of God would look like and how you might recognize someone with it. The first section is really a little bit of fun, but this second section is probably what you want to spend most of your time on. Okay, please uh, go through the workshop and then we'll look at our final section uh, when we look at the first love. So we've looked at hell uh, briefly, we've looked at fear, and uh, finally I want to look at love. How does the fear of uh, God, how does the fear of hell even help us grow closer to God? Let me look at a few points. First of all, the fear of God warns us of danger. I think this is really helpful. You know, I love my parents because my parents kept me out of danger. And part of that was they warned me uh, that I was afraid of them and therefore I was afraid of doing things they told me not to do. And later on, I realized that that was a good thing. You know, I never ran into the road when I wanted to run into the road. I never played in dangerous places because they warned me about those places and punished me if I went there. In the Bible, we hear the story or we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira who, who tried to trick the Holy Spirit. Uh, what they did, if you remember, was they sold some land and they gave it to the church. They held some back, which wasn't a problem. The problem was that they lied to everybody and told everybody that they gave all the money to uh, the work of God. Now, what happened, if you know the story, is the Holy Spirit just struck them dead in public. They just died um, one at a time in public. And fear, the fear of God gripped the church. But the fear of God gripping the church helped people understand how much God loved them because he was warning them of what happens when we try and deceive the Holy Spirit. The second thing that fear uh, does is this. The fear of God results in right action over evil. You see, whatever you fear the most, you will serve. Exodus 1 verse 17 says, The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. This is partly to do with the story of the birth of Moses when the king is trying to destroy um, the, the children so there'll be no threat to him. And some of the midwives are afraid of the king, but they're more afraid of uh, the Lord and the fear of the Lord drives us to do right action over evil and in other words we become better people because of the fear of God and as we become better people as as the best is drawn out in us then uh, we fall deeper in love with God at least I have because I've seen uh, my life for three years when I was away from God and I was not fearing God to a time when I came back to Lord and fell back, not only in love with him, but also fell back in fear with him. Uh, and what God did in me is I'm a nicer person, believe it or not, uh, as a Christian than I am when I'm not afraid of God. Thirdly, the fear of God leads us to courageous acts. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
I think fleeing uh, from us is important. We want the devil to flee from us. We don't want to flee from God. Now, the key here to resisting the devil is not some big spiritual dramatic act. What this is saying is when God is asking you to do something and the devil is trying to stop you, don't give in. Resist his temptation. Resist his taunting. Because when we do uh, give in to the devil, for instance, if I have a fear of failure and I stop doing something God wants me to do, it's like I'm showing the devil a problem and say, this is the button you should always press if you want, if you want to stop me doing something in the future. You know, we have to remember that God is uh, all-knowing, but the devil is not. I'm not convinced that the devil even knows who I am, and he certainly does not know me in the same way that God knows me. He doesn't know my fears and my hopes unless I tell them or show him what they are. And so I think many people, what we do is we, we kind of show the devil what we're afraid of and he uses it against us. In actual fact, those things can actually move us forward. You know, it's because of water resistance that a powerboat can move through the water. It's because of air and wind resistance that an eagle can fly. It's because of darkness that we can be the light of the world. Uh, and we have to remember the very things that we uh, could run away from are the actual things that could move us forward. So I found that uh, my fear of God has helped me in numerous ways. Here's a fourth one. The fear of God will aid us overcoming our enemy. You know, when the church fears God, the devil will fear the church. And I, have to, I think we have to remember as well that the, the thing that the enemy will always use against us is the thing that he's most afraid of. You'll notice this just in normal life. If people are out to get you, if people are attacking you, they will usually use the thing that they're actually afraid of most. And so our fear of God can help us overcome the enemy and give us space um, to see what the enemy uses against us. If you're more afraid of God than you are of the enemy, you will become an overcomer. Uh, next, the fear of God compels us to share our faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11 says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. So I was having a discussion with a friend of mine, Pete Baker, a while back, and uh, Pete said something I thought was quite significant. We were talking about the fact that some people believe that hell is um, everlasting, and some people believe that it's not eternal, that you are destroyed in hell, and that's the end of you. Uh, I, I personally believe the former. And we were talking about how, you know, sometimes people attack each other for different views, and uh, Pete said something uh, which I thought was really good. He said, you know, what's more evil, the person who just refuses to believe that hell is eternal because they can't believe God would allow it, or the person who does believe that hell is eternal but doesn't do everything they can to save people from it. If we have a fear of the Lord, if we have an understanding that he is a God who brings judgment, then surely we should be doing everything we can to rescue people from this place. Uh, what we do know about hell is it is real. We know that it is an awful, terrible place. And we know it is so bad that Jesus was sent to destroy the work of the enemy. He came to rescue us from hell. 
how bad must it be if God came as a baby and came to die on a cross? It's a sobering thought. Okay, finally, let me give you the main reason that I believe a fear of the Lord will help grow our love for God and why I call it the first love. The fear of God reminds us of what we were rescued from. So what can I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like a pilot on a plane that is full of passengers and two of the engines fail and the pilot knows they are likely to crash. So he tells the people on the plane to phone their loved ones and he tells them to pray if they're praying people. The people are frightened, the people are scared, and yet the pilot, after a detour, manages to land the plane. It's late, but they're safe. And when all the people get off, they thank him, they hug him. One pregnant lady asks him his name so she can name her child and give it his name. A week later, the same pilot is on the same plane with a different group of people. And again, two engines failed. And this time the pilot decides not to tell the people on the plane in order not to worry them. Again, he safely lands the plane, but it is very, very late. And the people have no idea the danger that they were in. This time the people get off the plane. They don't thank the pilot. They complain about the pilot. And a pregnant lady decides to sue the pilot for the stress and worry of being late while she's carrying the child. So it is in the kingdom of God. Our reaction is different when we forget the danger that we were in and when we no longer tell people about the danger that they're in because we want to present God as simply a loving God who cares for us and we want to dumb down his wrath and his anger and his judgment. Okay, so I believe that the first love, the beginning of wisdom, if you like, is the fear of the Lord. And for me, being constantly reminded of what God has rescued from me, me from has drawn me closer to him. It's captivated me and then drawn me closer to him. With that final thought, let me give you a slightly different workshop from normal. If you're watching this live right in a team, please create a short skit or drama based on the parable of the pilot. Feel free to change the situation and change some of the words. And then once you've created it, why not perform it for yourselves and for someone else? I think it's important that we share the message, the full gospel of Jesus Christ. But of course, this is just the first love. Next time, we'll look at the second love. Thanks for listening. Bye.